Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello guys, welcome to this new episode of the particular particle podcast where we talk everything a little joining me on today's episode is yash i think the name of twitter at odrozola he's kind of the face of women's football ft he does cool visualization and also tactical analysis of women's game so yash how are you yeah i'm i'm good and i'm happy to be back i think this is my second appearance so yeah i mean Pretty stoked, pretty stoked to break down everything that is upcoming for the next season for Atleti Femenino. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it's a privilege to have someone like you on the podcast, especially given your articles you have written about women's football and its progress all over the year. For example, before the Euros, I had to read your article on pretty much most of the teams. And I, for one, I'm a fan of Spain, so it was kind of nice having someone like you giving out a guide for most of us who don't really follow women's football that closely, though I follow Athletic closely. So there have been a lot of progress about women's football in the last year or so. That since from the 2018 World Cup in France, I think its popularity has grown and you have so many falling in love with the game. So what's your say about the tournaments that took place this summer? Because you had the Af- AFCON, the Women's AFCON, you had the Women's Euro, and you also had the Women's Copa America, which was kind of nice because I kind of followed two of those tournaments and not three. So what's your take on its popularity and how those tournaments took place? Yeah, this, this summer was great for women's football all across the globe because... 
like you mentioned there was euros that that broke all sorts of attendance record there was copa america that garnered a lot of attention then there was uh, afcon as well which was like superb i managed to watch a couple of games um, because the timing wasn't uh, that great for me but i still managed to watch some of the games i managed to catch some of the games from copa america as well it was it was just a great summer of football for women's uh, so uh, it, it's really nice to see how the game is moving forward. But uh, I hope that uh, all of this uh, attendance record, all of this people going to watch the game, I hope that trickles down into the league. I hope it trickles down uh, down the pyramid first and it translates into attendance records in the league games in everyday matches. And we have seen that uh, people are excited because uh, if you have noticed, uh, there were people going to watch uh, national teams training now, uh, like for Germany, there were uh, around 2000 people that went to watch the training for Bayern as well. Uh, when they were training, uh, when we're do they, they were doing an open training session, there were people as well. So it's pretty cool to see, but I hope it continues. It's, it's a sustained effort to uh, improve and not just a one-off for this big international tournaments, but it was pretty nice to see. And I hope it, uh, not just in Europe, but I hope it continues elsewhere as well, like uh, in, in Africa in in South American nations as well. We need, we need this to continue because we know even though there were attendance records broken, there were multiple successes. There were, there are also issues that have persisted for a very long time and there are there aren't facilities like basic medical needs aren't there there's not a proper dressing room for for teams even even in liga iberdola like uh, what happened with rio last season we all know how bad the conditions were so the next step would be to assure that uh, every team and every player has a basic uh, basic facilities to them and has the basic convenience of of what a footballer should deserve so yeah well, you just talked about that there are things that need improvement for that's very true. For example, you have I think the Colombian football, you don't have I think a league there. I think that Argentinian football that just started recently, which is kind of bad because for example you have Banini playing for Alicia and tomorrow and for me she's one of the most technically gifted players I've ever seen. That's given I've also watched the Melting, but that's kind of a surprise and hopefully a lot of things improve. Well, you say you watched some of the Afcon. That was really nice because that's the tournament I follow closely and I watched it. And Aliti striker Ajibadi really had a good tournament. So, a quick question: What were the standout things from all three tournaments? Given you had time to maybe watch a match or two of all of it. The standard thing in terms of like uh, tactical trend or just in general. Well, you choose. For example, okay, we take one tactical trend, then after we go in general, because I, for one, enjoyed what I saw the Dutch fans doing at the Euro and also the Moroccan fans at the Wafcon. It was pretty nice. So, what are the tactical trends maybe you notice? Yeah, so something that I really noticed in all of those tournaments was the fact that how pressing has evolved on especially on goal kicks like it was pretty nice to see how teams were trying to uh, cause a turnover straight up from uh, opposition goal kicks so like their setup was really nice and every team was incorporating some sort of a press 
uh, uh, either a very high press or like a mid block when whenever they dropped into mid block they tried to final position to one side and then trap opponents so it was really nice to see um, in terms of uh, other stuff like uh, it was a step forward i would say in every uh, in every way like we have come a long way from 2019 fifa women's world cup to now because uh, like attendance records speak for themselves there were multiple people tuning in as well uh, so viewers record was also broken and it was nice it was nice to see these players who like who have been following for a while who are now towards uh, the twilight end of their career and they are getting the recognition that they have so uh, richly deserved like uh, for england uh, uh, ellen white and uh, Jill Scott, they they retired from football and they retired on a high after winning that. So now the whole country knows who they are. For Germany as well, Alex Pop became a national hero. So these are the sort of things that you uh, like that really stuck with uh, stick with you because uh, for uh, in Copa America, for example, Linda Casado, uh, 17 years old, but became a superstar for her talent. Um, in Afcon, Morocco, they had a great, great run. Like the way they played as well, pretty, pretty nice. So it was, it was really nice to see. Like not just for the tactical point of view, but also for how, uh, like, it was received by the by the football fans. Well, basically, you just answered the two questions. One that thanks for the correction. The women's World Cup was in twenty nineteen, not twenty eighteen, and we just talked about the. Um, Morocco, they, they kind of invested in women's football, I think, in 2019, and they wanted it to have a recognition because they have a footballing project. They want to be, like, one of the best teams in the world, not just for the women's, but also for the men's and all category. And their project was successful so far with the AFCON and also with the junior tournaments, and you could see the massive turnout, the, the way they play. They hired a former UEFA champion, sorry, they hired a former women's Champions League winner, that thing we know and he's kind of made them play well and you the tactical thing you talk about when higher press for goal kicks that also shows how the new law for goal kicks have kind of made more many more teams go for shorter goal kicks which is kind of nice and it was really nice to see some of the teams trying to pass the ball out even though there were teams that did not find much success but it was kind of nice seeing like the brilliant game and how it has evolved so far so you talked about struggles in the women's game and you talk about Rayo, Rayo are a pretty mess because it's like the owner don't want the club to kind of develop into the modern age, which is kind of sad, given reports on Twitter. And talking about the struggles in Liga Iberdrola, it is kind of difficult to watch the Spanish football, Spanish women's football league, which is kind of a very good league. But you, we have seen the development in that of the American league and also that of the the English league, which is kind of nice because you can have TV deals, they have TV deals and you can watch their matches and you do also have kickoff times released earlier, which is kind of nice. You also have stats available on every ref for those leagues, which is makes it super nice. But when it comes to the Spanish league, it's kind of tough because you just have, I think, maybe Real Madrid and you have FC Barcelona who have TVs and it's kind of easy watching their matches. But for the other teams, maybe you have them just streaming their home games on YouTube, but that of Aleti is the worst case because it's kind of impossible even watching their home games. But you kind of have a TV deal which on the horizon, and it's like it's kind of it's going to change things. So, what can you tell us, or maybe some of the listeners, more on that? 
Yeah, so the struggles to watch Liga Iberdrola is like not uh, are well documented to, to be very honest. And now uh, it has changed to Liga Profesional. Uh, I don't know if that changes much, but uh, like today is the day uh, we'll get more details about that TV deal. Uh, so the apparent idea is uh, that there will be media companies that will be putting in a bid and then the uh, LLFP, Liga Profesional, will be uh, looking at those bids and selecting the most appropriate one. And then those media houses can decide how they want to distribute it, whether it would be free uh, to watch like Dazon has done or will it be some games free and some games you have to pay to watch so we'll have to wait and see today uh, what what the decision is who gets the right and how they decide to distribute it uh, but uh, it's it's really nice uh, like you said we uh, like even knowing the kickoff times beforehand wasn't a case in Liga Iberdrola we'll have to wait for a while like just a week before we would have to know but now with this TV deal we'll at least know a month before or like at least three to four weeks before uh, the actual fixture about the about everything about their kickoff times and uh, where they are going to take place so it's really nice plus they have also incorporated like uh, increased the number of cameras at the stadium which was initially two uh, set to like four but now there will minimum be five cameras at every uh, stadium so we'll have better views which uh, honestly is is a good uh, is a very good thing because uh, the current camera angles really really suck you cannot see team structure you cannot sometimes you cannot even see the ball where it is because the camera is focusing on a player like uh, there are there are player focus views which which honestly doesn't add any value uh, to the game so uh, yeah it's it's really nice to see this but i hope uh, i mean i'm not going to jump ahead and say it's awesome because we know how uh, things uh, can get uh, in in the Spanish league. So I'll wait for the final decision and uh, take things from there. Well, like you just said, hopefully things can change for the better because it's like the Spanish league have been left behind. Despite you have FC Barcelona making it to the finals and even winning the Women's Champions League, I think that was two seasons ago. So that kind of draw a lot of attention, but you had Alex Putellas winning the Ballon d'Or, even winning the Women's Best Player of the Year, but many people have don't have the ability or maybe access to our games, which is kind of sad. So back to Aliti, and which is kind of nice talking about Aliti always for someone like me. So you have over the summer, there were many Aliti players involved. You have Ajibade, she kind of ended in the semifinals of the Wafcon. You have Banini, which had and her entire team was knocked out by the Santos Colombia team who lost in the final against Brazil, which was sad because there was no Lumina for Brazil. But so back to Aliti and last season Aliti kind of failed the objective. They failed not kind of, which was sad because they just needed a point on the last day against Barcelona and something towards the end of the game happened when Lumina had a one-on-one and that was kind of sad because to be honest, like that moment, I just erased it from my memory because it's kind of similar to what, in my opinion, what happens happened to Aleti, I think, 2014. I think, yeah, she can handle the rest because I have no memory of that. <laughs> so, Aleti failed to qualify for the Champions League, and but they were the 
literally the best second best team in the league in terms of goals and also in terms of goals considered but in, in the discussion we had before the podcast we kind of said that that game sticky which was bad and that performance last season and led to many departures i think day enough for one in my opinion she left because she wants to play the champions league that's just my personal opinion or maybe even though that would be also hard tackling another stage in her career and there were so many departures you had Tankara, you have Garlana, you have Amanda Frisbee, there's Lee Alexandri and you have two of two players who are really stayed at for long. You have Messi who has been at since 2013. You have also Amanda who has basically been at for a whole life. So that's kind of that. So yeah, Alexi not qualifying for the Champions League and so many and maybe experienced players leaving you know, players who have played for long in Liga Liga Professional as they now call it. How does that maybe affect Aliti given they were not able to achieve their objective and you have some of the leaders of the dressing room leaving? Yeah, so obviously it's it's a bit disappointing, not just for the fans, but also for the club because uh the club uh, the ambitions of the club are like clear. They want to be in the Champions League on the regular and they have been uh, doing that. Uh but yeah, it's disappointing the departures as well. Uh, like like you mentioned, the players have left who have been at, at the club for a while. So that's that's another thing. Like departures of Laya, who who was a crucial part. Departures of Dana, who despite not uh, living up to her billing completely, was a, a very integral part of what Atleti have been able to do in the last couple of years. She was very crucial and like a central figure in all of those things so yeah i mean losing those sort of uh, players is gonna uh, is is not always gonna be okay but the incomings that have uh, come in as we'll discuss uh, like soon the incomings will more than compensate for those players i feel like because there are really good incomings and uh, that's the thing like once you have a good squad which uh, which like with the right profile of players, you can achieve a lot of things. Like you mentioned, Atleti were the second best team in terms of uh, like not just the numbers of goal, but also the underlying metrics. Uh, the only reason I think that they didn't manage to uh, reach the Champions League was because of their streakiness, because they had very good patches where they would dominate teams from start to finish. And then they would have a sort of not so great patches where they would struggle to create and they would look up to somebody, uh, mostly Lunmila or Dana to produce something and uh, not always that could happen. So uh, the streakiness in the end hurt them. They just missed out. Like it's it wouldn't be fair to say that they missed out by a mile because even till the last moment, uh, uh, unless uh, Aitana made that makes that tackle, uh, Atleti would have probably qualified over Real Madrid and given how the season went, uh, except for some drop-offs, Atleti were the second best side in the in the league. So there's no denying that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing a bit uh, to not make it to the Champions League, but I think it's a step back to be able to take two steps forward. And uh, with the incoming signings that have uh, that Atleti have made, I think the squad is really well uh, poised to be able to get into the Champions League again. Well, like you said, they they almost made it and it was by a single point and yes, your lovely Real Madrid made it to the Champions League, which is kind of sad seeing them. 
having the edge of reality. Hopefully, it doesn't repeat itself this season. So we talked up. So Aleti kind of lose so many guys, leaders in the dressing room, but well, they are see some leaders among. You have Lola, which who returned from young last season. You have Menayo, who has been at the club since 2016, and she's still 24 by the way, like she has been around forever. You have Lulimila, who has also been at Aleti for a while now, since 2017, and then the you have Wandunga. Those guys, those sorry, those three ladies are the four, the four captains this season, which is. Outstanding because you have a lot of leadership in Vandongan and then you have also the longevity of the other three and how they know the dressing room and kind of make it a comfortable place for the new signings. So jumping into the new signings, Alitic were really, really busy, busy this window and they brought in a lot of players. And I like the recruitment from last season because two seasons ago, you have Alitic buying a lot of players from outside the league and it was really catastrophic. But last season, you have them buying a lot of players from the league and you had Banini, you had Maita Lopez, and she has been so fast. She has been great, and I really love her. You have also Sheila Garcia, who kind of sacrificed for, you have Sheila who sacrificed for the team and played as a right back a couple of times. So this season, Athletic kind of went for pretty much the same though. They brought in some players from out of Liga Professional. You have Mel Bed, you have Irene Guerrero, and Yash, who start with Tricovia rule, like I think you tweeted about the fact that Dana living wasn't, I isn't like I did because she would have formed maybe a very good partnership with Tricovia, given Dana is kind of like a secondary striker and playing off somebody that can act as a target and with good hollow play who benefit the team. So, can you tell us more about Tricovia? Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, like I said, the signings that have come in, some some of them are like most of them are really exciting names. And the another thing is most of the signings that have come in aren't that old, so it's it's a injection of uh, new blood in the side and very talented players. So uh, let's start with Staskova, uh, like you said. So yeah, I, I tweeted it before as well uh, that uh, as soon as I. I got the news that Saskova is leaving Juventus because she has been playing second fiddle to uh, uh, to Cristiana Girelli at Juventus, mostly coming off the bench and trying to have an impact. And she, she did have an impact, even not just in the league, but also in the Champions League. She helped them win uh, multiple games with, with her play style, with her skill set. But yeah, obviously, the two-time Czech uh, player of the year would want to be starting somewhere. So as soon as I got the news that she was uh, leaving Juventus, the only and uh, coming to Spain, I just knew that this is a player that uh, is going to Atleti because something about her just uh, screams Atleti to me. So uh, and then she joined, and I uh, tweeted about it that maybe if Dana would have stayed, it would have been a great partnership because. Like you mentioned, Dana isn't really a number nine. She isn't really uh, not proper playmaker, but she is a second striker who can play off another player and uh, is really good at uh, making those runs in behind off, off of the other player. So that is where her strength comes for. She can turn playmaker. She can play the player behind. Uh, but yeah, she needs somebody, some another partner up front with her. So having a player like Staskova would have brought the best in her and Staskova is still just 22 years old so there's a lot of football that she has and talking about her she she's a striker she is a classical number nine 
who can who is like physically very dominant physically very imposing can serve as a focal point in attack and i think she will serve as a focal point in attack because it gives atleti the option to go direct she can she has a brilliant hold up play uh, she uh, she can just shrug off defenders bring her teammates into the game and just like then play the ball towards the outside and make a run in behind that's that's really one of her biggest strengths she is also good in the air so she is a threat from crosses and set pieces now in the box is where like it, her hold up play really shines because she is not just able to hold up defenders but using her body she is able to create that tiny bit of space where she can get the shot off so her ability to get shots off for herself to create that space to manifest that space in in tight areas like the penalty box is just amazing and then moving on from that like she she can really strike the ball she has a great shot on her her technique is really clean and she can just hit the ball through and it stays hit so uh, this is a player that i think like uh, athletic fans will enjoy a lot i hope like there are no serious injuries to her uh, touchwood and she can i i think if she stays injury free and is uh, used as the focal point with uh, other players that atleti have signed like marta cardona and uh, eva navarro banini ludmila uh, and ajibade like all these players around us taskova should be scoring 10 plus goals at least next season well you just talked about her staying injury free she kind of had a slight injury which kind of kept her out and has prompted her future in league in preseason games hopefully she stays injury free you talk about her being able to shield the ball and then bring other teammates into play or acting maybe as kind of a playmaker and then send passes out wide and that would be great for players like Cardona and you also mentioned Eva Navarro so we will be talking about other forwards a little kind of century forwards a little century forwards this summer you have Eva Navarro you have that's other forwards you have Marta Cardona and there's Lucia Morel so what can you tell us about those three players because when Aleti signed Eva Navarro there was a lot there's a lot of hype about her potential and what she can bring to Aleti and as for Cardona I'm just happy she's at Aleti because I really kind of like how when played against I think Real Madrid I'm like wow she's really good luckily I luckily I did not fall so much in love that I had to watch a lot of Real Madrid because that would be kind of heartbreaking given I'm not a huge fan of Los Blancos So what can you tell us more about Evan the other forwards Evan Navarro, Mata Kaduna and Lisa Morial? Yeah, so uh I have always been very vocal about what I think of Evan Navarro. I I feel like injuries haven't been kind to her uh, of late but I feel like she is one of the best uh, wing options in Spain if she can stay fit. She is that good. She she's like she is la la joya like she is the diamond of of spain who can like spain don't have many natural wingers you know so like they have uh, a sort of um, winger midfield hybrid who like to come inside and operate uh, in those half spaces and get on the ball a lot they don't have those direct wingers and eva navarro is just that so i think like if she can stay fit she offers spain uh, a a very different dimension in their attack so yeah i mean i really hope she can stay fit for atleti because she is a really good player great in 1v1 situations she is very quick as well and she can score and assist like equally efficiently and she has been uh, like 
a talking point or under the limelight ever since her Spanish youth days because she was so good like uh, with with the with her goal numbers and she was so crucial for Levante as well. Like I said, injuries haven't been kind to her in the last couple of seasons. But uh, I hope she can shake that off and uh, like do what she's uh, actually capable of doing. It will offer Athletic great option. Like uh, I don't know uh, what formation Athletic will mostly go and play in the next season because uh, in the preseason games it was a bit of a trial and error. Like they were trying testing their hands with a couple of things. So we'll have to wait and see at least a couple of games what happens in the league. But it will uh, give Atleti the option to have a proper winger like Avanavaro uh, on one side and Marta Cardona on another. So like that dynamic can really work. And like I mentioned, Andrea Saskova through the middle or even Ludmila through the middle, uh, as has been the case most of the times. Ludmila is, is an amazing player. She is an attack in herself. So that would be really nice to see. And uh, yeah, so about Mar- Marta Cardona, well, um, I can't say I'm happy that she left because she was she was very, very important to uh, how Real Madrid worked. She was one of the major reasons we made it to the Champions League last season because there were moments where nothing would work and then Cardona would just pop up, pick the ball in midfield, drive with it and just uh, hit it home from like 30 yards out. Uh, or just cause a lot of problems to their wingers and then put a cross in for somebody to tap it in. So, Marta Cardona is really amazing. Uh, the great thing about her is not only can she play wide, but uh, there were moments last season where she was tried in a front two and she ran the channels really, really well. So, even if Atleti decide to go with a 4-4-2 and uh, they have the option of playing Marta Cardona not just on the right right flank, but also through the middle where she is able to then run the channels using her pace. She's extremely quick, uh, a great dribbler. She, like... She turns her body really well, like her hip movement when, when on the ball is, is really good and it throws off a lot of defenders. So she's able to generate that uh, space using her quick acceleration and then she can cross in the ball and she has a great long shot on her as well. So those are her uh, like really big strengths. She She's a great dribbler and is really quick. So having those sort of options in the team are like... Uh, is definitely gonna help. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm happy that she she has gone to Atleti, but things weren't uh, exactly uh, rosy at uh, Real Madrid for her behind the scenes. Some stuff has happened, and we have discussed this on on the Managing Madrid podcast as well. So it's 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 very disappointing to see a player of her caliber who actually exploded at Real Madrid after her time in uh, Real Sociedad, where like she didn't manage that many goals. She she was still threatening, but she truly blossomed into a complete player uh, at Real Madrid where she added goals to her game, which was the missing part. And now she has goals uh, as well to her game. So she's a brilliant player and I'm not happy to see her leave, uh, especially not to Atleti, but it is what it is. I hope she does uh, well. I hope she, I mean, if she stays fit, she is going to do well. That is the uh, another concern that has been going on because her uh, later part of her Real Madrid career was uh, hampered with injuries and that has continued because it was apparently said that she rushed things a bit or the club made her rush things a bit to return from an injury and that has been a, a recurring issue which has like restricted her from not making an appearance uh, like from not making many appearances last season so yeah i mean that is something to be monitored and she's uh, currently injured out injured as well if i'm not wrong 
so yeah that is yes. something so yeah that is something that uh, has to be monitored i hope she can stay fit because she is a brilliant brilliant player well yes thank you on the depth and analysis of those players and you just mentioned things behind the scenes leading to a departure. Well, from our latest perspective, hopefully another happen and maybe Athena joins next season. Well, I might be too optimistic. Hey, like we, we have already lost Marta Cardona. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Athena is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully things behind the scenes can set to Real Madrid because when I listened to the podcast, I was quite shocked at some of the things I... I got and it's not just the first time. I think you also have um her name's her name is not in my head and she left for AC Milan, which was kind of sad because she was like the queen of Real Madrid and I can I just, I'm sure yeah she knows more about her. He kept tweeting about her and the rest. Yeah, Aslani, like she 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 is Madridismo, like she was our first signing, great player, sacrificed a lot for the team. I mean. I've spoken a lot. I've written a lot about her. I, <laughs> it's just sad. It's just sad how things had had to come to an end. But I mean, we cannot change it now. <laughs> yeah, we cannot change it. But Aslani kind of had a very good Euros, and I think I saw the video of her leaving defenders on their on their bomb, and that was really, really, really amazing. So, yeah, a good question. Do you think um? The Spain deserve a penalty in the Euro, and maybe England do not deserve that goal they scored. I mean, I, I feel like uh, everyone that won was probably deserving because at the end, like, you have to convert your chances and that has been Spain's problem, uh, like, forever that I can remember. They they create, like, 100 chances and they manage to score just one of them. That has always been the issue for them. And uh, I feel like England were, were good the, despite people not giving them credit for. And Spain just, uh, like... When when Athena came on, that is when the game uh, came to life. Like she was she was electric in that game. She caused a lot of problems, and she was like relentless. She was going at the fullback constantly. Uh, but I think uh, on the on the second uh, goal that they conceded, Spain could have done better. Probably defensively, they gave too much time to Stanway, who they should have probably known has a great long shot on her. Uh, then about the foul in the box, I I don't think that was a foul. Like, if you look at stills, if you look at the uh, video like repeatedly with 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 the thing going in your head that it should be a foul, you'll obviously notice a foul. But I think uh, yeah, I think uh, Irene made a made the most of it from that challenge by uh, from that challenge by uh, who was it? I I can't remember. Uh, was it Alatun? Uh, Alessia Russo, yeah. Al- Alessia yeah, Russo. Russo. Yeah, so that challenge from Alessia Russo, she made the most of it, Irene, but I don't think like it wasn't a foul for me. And uh, to be honest, Spain should have killed the game. Like they, they were the better side for a lot of a lot of part of it. But then they allowed like Kira Walsh to take control. She she got the ball and then she did a thing. Like they were they managed to suppress her for most of the game. But as soon as you allow her time on the ball, as soon as you allow her to pick her passes, she's gonna pick you apart. And that is what happened. And... Well, yeah, I was kind of expecting you not be a neutral, you not be a neutral, and maybe kind of take spin side. But well, maybe you were spot on there. Maybe some of us keep on watching it. We 
it's gonna be a foul in our head and <laughs> it is a foul. Uh, you <laughs> talked about Spain lacking someone to maybe put their chances, but at the under 20 World Cup, you had Iman Gabaro, the, the, the striker from Sevilla, who kind of had a brilliant tournament, scoring eight goals, and he scored so brilliant, so many brilliant goals. And I think that prompted his, the Spain national team head coach to kind of make a statement about her. So, what's your opinion on on that, on her, and maybe her, maybe solving Spain's future problems and putting their chances to bed? Because you also have Selma, I think, Barcelona signed for Barca this summer, and she also had a great tournament. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's more of a structural issue because. It's not like Spain did not have an actual number nine. They did. Uh, Esther was right there for, for them, but they uh, at times they didn't use her in the game that they did against England. Esther scored. So you have to, like, Spain tried a lot of things with the front three, which isn't really ideal uh, when you are in a big tournament. You have to have your set 11 uh, of players uh, that, like, do the job for you. There was Jenny missing as well. Probably if Jenny was there, they would have scored more. So there was that. There was Alexia missing as well, like a big, big miss. So yeah, I mean, it's it's not like Spain did not have goal-scoring options in their ranks. They had, they did, but they were tactically like flawed a lot. Like they, the changes that they brought on when they were in momentum, they just became extra conservative and allowed the teams to come at them and in in knockout tournament when you do that for like even a 15 minute stretch then it's it's very likely that you are going to concede and on just one goal lead when you have been the better side for most of the part i think that wasn't a right decision so the game management was pretty poor the squad management was pretty poor uh talking about the talents that are coming in yeah inma gabaro is great like she she has the thing that sets her apart is that she has a lot of experience now playing for the senior side. So that is what uh, like really made her uh, different from uh, all the options in, in that tournament because not a lot of players from not just Spain but other countries as well have that sort of experience playing for the senior side. So her in-game awareness was a notch above everyone else. She was able to solve uh, in-game situations on the fly. She, she is a good player. Uh, we'll have to see how that translates into the senior side because uh, Spain have a lot of good young players, but uh, a lot of times that is not being translated into the senior sides. Either they are not being incorporated right or they are not given the opportunities or they are used in a way that doesn't maximize their strength. So we will have to wait uh, to see what happens with her because there is a competition for places as well. And uh, there are players who like uh, there are players you would want to incorporate in the lineup, and I don't know like how Spain are going to approach things, whether there's a change of manager or how they are going to do stuff moving forward. So it will be interesting to see. But she's a talent to keep an eye on, and definitely now everyone is talking about her after the splendid Under Twenty World Cup. Uh, so yeah, I mean it. Uh, it's something to be monitored. Well, it was a great summer for Spain. They won the under-20 World Cup. I think they also won, I think, under-20 Euros. And that was kind of great. Sadly, they didn't make it past the quarterfinal stages in the Euro, which was not the best. But I think if I think, I think you should have seen the news on Twitter lately talking about the players who have been called up. The majority of them kind of want to change in management. And like you said, 
the euro wasn't managed properly they were flawed tactically team management and the rest so do you think long run would it be a change or the current the person that they had for the two years he has now will continue in charge well they offered him a contract extension which is controversial to say the least but yeah i mean he should have resigned a while ago because these are the same issues that have like persisted ever since uh, the knockout tournament in uh, at the 2019 women's world cup but the thing was that spain had not made uh, the knockout stages a lot of times before it was only their second world cup 2019 so yeah i mean those sort of small successes played into the hand that uh, maybe he is a good manager but he's not like the dressing room speaks for itself there are a lot of problems the way he treats players uh, is not right the way he uses players in in the in the 11 and in uh, during the game is not right he has like well, he has very little idea about how he wants to set up his side and how very little idea about the players strength at his disposal so that uh, generally leads into spain not being able to maximize their resources which is a shame because the resources that they have are, are like splendid people always try to compare spain with barcelona i don't do that because barcelona uh, is different because barcelona has natural wingers in their ranks and they have uh, spain spain have the option to incorporate them like spain have athenia and olga if they want like they have those sort of direct wingers but they aren't incorporating them yet so there's a big difference in that if you want to play the way barcelona played you have to have those wide players as well and spain currently don't incorporate them that way and they somehow are allergic to actually using a number 9 uh, to lead their ranks like i don't know how amayur was like the third option to be selected for the for the euros uh, so it's 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 that is these are the things that always like shock you when you look at spain i don't think he should have gotten the contract extension in the first place now apparently there's a Uh, there are players who are like going against and asking him to resign so like it it just hurts the dressing room at the end now if if the federation backs the manager it's going to be a little uh, you know toxic environment in the dressing room it's not ideal for the players who have been doing this for a while who want successes because you have to remember that this is a spain side that has come of the back of having uh, experienced great success at youth level so these are players like patrick giharo aitana bonmati these are players who have experienced success at at youth levels and not being able to translate that uh, on the international level and on the senior side uh, while being so successful domestically is definitely go- uh, gonna hurt them and everyone in the world knows what the potential that spain has but it's still just a potential it's still in its dormant stage and i don't think that will change uh, unless there's a change in in the management that can actually maximize that well hopefully the federation listen to the players because like you have said it's not it will not be an ideal situation for the dressing room especially given what happens in the previous management hopefully things change for the better and we can see spain dominating women's football because they have the potential to So back to Aliti and we talked about the, some of the forwards Mata Kaduna we talk about Ivan Navarro and we talk about them being solid wide option that's kind of where addition for Aliti because last season you kind of had Amanda and Banini who are not really like you say your winger your natural winger or you say old school wingers but 
they are kind of like midfielders who are who played out wide. But now it's great seeing those two back in the team. So Aleti, there were departures in the center back, like we talk about Leah leaving, we talk about Tankara leaving. So Aleti kind of brought in a bit of experience in Melbourne. I watched her against Bayern and I was quite impressed. Sally, she left due to an injury and she underwent an operation which was successful and she has really began her recovery. So we wish her a speedy recovery. And you have other young center backs like Zenia Perez, you have Sinta Rodriguez. So, and these are all players who have played a lot around in the Liga Professional and hopefully they bring a lot of things to Aleti. So, Yash, what are the qualities these players have that will kind of propel Aleti? Because the last time we record, we talked about Leah having an issue in the fact that uh, the position the position discipline and she kind of have lapses in concentration. So, are these kind of upgrades or in the long run, will they be upgrades because they are young and they are very good? Yeah, so the reinforcements that have come in for the departures at centre back are are good. I would say, Marle Bata, like a lot of a lot of people don't know her, uh, which is sad because she's she's really really good. Uh, uh, she played for Potsdam, which is a team that I followed very closely last season, and they have been picked apart. Like <laughs> they have lost everyone in their squad. That was a really talented squad, and they were trying to make a push for the Champions League last season. Uh, because that's where they would deserve to be. They have been in finals before. They have been in Champions League, a regular Champions League team. So she played for them uh, for uh, for two seasons, and she was really good. Like she is, she is excellent in one v one defensive situations. She reads the game really well, like you would have seen against Bayern if you were able to watch the game. And she's really good with her distribution as well. She's very calm in the ball, uh, calm on the ball. She is very forward thinking as well. She moves the possession forward really well her distribution over medium to long ranges is uh, is quite good as well uh, she's not that good in the air she's like five feet five so she's not as dominant in the air but uh, she compensates for the uh, for that with more than enough uh, with her like positioning and with her game sense and with her 1v1 ability in defensive situation so I feel Merle Barth is a really good uh, option to have and if 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 it comes to that, she can also do a decent job in the defensive midfield position as well. So that gives Atleti another option if they ever need it to be. Marlebat is really good. Then there's Xenia uh, Perez and Sinta Rodriguez, who uh, are like like you mentioned, really young, but have been uh, have experienced the league uh, a bit. So Xenia Perez, right centre back, 20, 20 years old, again, good on the ball decent but again like these are young players that you'll probably want to ease into uh, your lineup uh, there's Sinta Rodriguez as well like both of these players uh, started against Bayern but uh, we, we'll get to that game as well we'll see how uh, how it played out and what were the talking points but yeah pretty solid performances from both I, I would say uh, they were uh, good like Sinta Rodriguez had a, had a decent uh, game uh, she was tested a bit 1v1 situation she she's decent uh she's decent on the ball as well uh allows for like uh, in the build-up phase she can hold her own distribution is uh okayish as well uh but yeah there's room for improvement like she she's still like 23 maybe she'll improve uh, a bit Zenia Perez as well uh 20 years old right center back for Espanol last season uh pretty good player again uh, she had a good game, I think. Like she had a better game than uh, Sinta Rodriguez did. Uh, 
against Bayern. She again held her own in in those one v one duels. Uh, she shut down the right hand side, uh, left hand side for Bayern, uh, which was like Caroline Simon and Clara Bull was attacking there as well. So it was pretty nice to see uh, that uh, what she was able to do and how she was able to shut down. She read the game really well. And another uh, like major addition is Andrea Medina. Uh, the under 20 captain and like she she's a really solid player uh, the thing is like she she's just 18 now a left-footed player like you that is something that is very desirable with teams not looking to build from the back so it offers a really good option to uh, to like uh, opens up a lot of passing angles as well uh, on the left hand side with her left with her natural left foot and that is what one of her strengths like she is really good on the ball she can distribute the ball really well. She can carry the ball out from defense. So she she's a really good player. She can do a job at left at left back or left center back. But I think she'll be used in a, a more central position uh, from where she can either provide a driving presence from defense uh, with the ball at her feet or distribute uh, the possession uh, with her feet. Uh, the thing that she lacks uh, right now is uh, is defensive acumen. She isn't. Uh, as polished on defensive duels as uh, like the better ones but she's still 18 that is something to be considered she will definitely develop a lot there's a lot of development that uh, has to be uh, done but yeah i mean she has been around for a while like she made her uh, senior debut at just 15 for uh, real betis and uh, that is the thing like that's showcases her talent she captained spain under 20 side to uh, the win just recently uh, so that is the thing like uh, she's a really solid player i think she'll be a great addition uh, just the defensive part uh, has to be polished uh, a bit you know, she really uh, lacks that she uh, gets caught out uh, a lot but i think that will improve with time she's just 18 again uh, and she has great great qualities on the ball like her ball playing is really really good so uh, yeah, those are the additions and talking about another addition in defense, I think this is a really, really solid one. I know Amoraza, like this is a player that will help you, like that will not just help you take the next step, but also provide you options and flexibility, uh, like tactically. Uh, I know Amoraza, athletic, uh, joining from athletic club, 27 year old, like uh, just entering, just entered her peak and in her uh, Peak, uh, peak prowess now so like I said she's versatile she can play on either flank uh, she's majorly a fullback she can play on the left or on the right uh, as the team needs her to be and she's rapid like she's really really quick uh, she loves to join the attack she loves to bomb forward and she's more of an overlapping fullback so if, when you have somebody like Marta Cardona for example on the right if if you deploy Moraza as the right back. If you have Marta Cardona playing in front of her, Marta Cardona likes to cut inside and then you have that space on the wide areas that uh, Moraza can attack into. We'll also talk about how uh, like the game against Bayern it transpired and how Moraza's positioning on... She was used as a left back there, left, left wing back rather. So you, that is what I'm talking about. This is the sort of options that she offers you. She can be an... She can play that wing-back role, a uh, really aggressive one, or she can play in the normal full-back role uh, on either flank. So that offers Atleti a lot of value. It adds a lot of uh, value to the squad as well. She has a good cross on her. 
and she is a very able ball carrier like she can drive with the ball at her feet and with her pace she is able to like uh, manifest turnovers as well with her pressing uh, using uh, using her pace she is very quick to close down other players who are on the ball and she can just pounce on loose deliveries as well so it's it's a really solid signing like this is this is a player that can not just help defensively but also add a lot of value offensively uh, in working in tandem with the wingers that athletic have in their ranks now just talked about well you just talked about moza moraza and she's a fantastic signing not just for the fact not just for what she will offer but to the team but also what she is going to do in for Sheila Garcia personally who was kind of like the sacrificial lamb last season playing out of position though she did an excellent job and now maybe this season we get to see Sheila further up the pitch which would be fantastic and you you were a lot of you had a lot of praise for Andrea Medina who is like you said captain of the under 20 side at the World Cup and to be honest I watched the games and she was really fantastic and you also have another Aliti player from Aliti B Sonia Maragino who was also part of the team though she was not a regular and yeah, you talk about all these defensive aspects and they are kind of nice. And I think the last addition to talk about is Irene Guerrero at, at CM. Do you think she's like kind of the replacement of Messi or maybe she will be playing maybe further with pitch because against Bayern we kind of saw something different? Yeah, so Irene uh, Guerrero is, is, uh, is an interesting player. Like she isn't uh, very elaborate or very flashy in what she does she does the basics right and i think that is uh, like more than enough she is not she's not like untidy on the ball she's very tidy on the ball she can get the job done she she's like she offers you a baseline uh, that you cannot like she offers you a floor raising performance all the time and i think i, I don't know if she's going to uh, replace macy i think uh, it would be a better uh, fit if she's deployed alongside Maitani because Irene also likes to make those uh, runs forward. Like she has been used that way for Spain uh, and she likes to like play in that sort of a box-to-box role where she has the freedom to sometimes attack as well, not just staying back. But yeah, she can do her job while staying back as well. So she she's a tidy player. Uh, she is good on the ball again like most of the Spanish midfielders are she's good on the ball she has the distribution uh, where she can like she offers circulation more than like a very elaborate uh, long passes or very elaborate progressive pass line breaking progressive passes she she's happy to like keep the ball taking keep the ball moving and just circulate position then she's very good at providing support. That is like one of her major things. She is always able to show up for the ball in the right areas and offer an option to receive. Uh, so that's really nice. And that is the thing. Like she she offers you, like I said, a baseline performance. She isn't very flashy. Like she's not going to dribble past like three, four players and then play a line breaking pass. Or she's not going to play a sweeping uh, diagonal ball uh, into the feet of your winger. But she'll do the basics right and she'll like help you raise your floor and give you that stability in midfield and playing alongside somebody like Maitane that is a very solid base to build things from uh, in offense because that offers you a lot of stability not just uh, offensively uh, giving you a better structure but also defensively it, it offers you a sort of protection that is uh, very desirable I would say 
so yeah and irene is uh, again just 25 so she has her better years ahead of her and how she is used because last year we saw it with maitane that maitane was used was given that sort of freedom to make those forward runs and uh, attack attack in the box in a sort of number 10 role so uh, it will be interesting to see if if these sort of runs that irene has made for the national team recently will those be incorporated into her play style at athleti where she is able to like make those late runs into the box and meet crosses or like meet late cutbacks and stuff so it will be interesting to see but yeah irene is a very tidy player uh not very elaborate not very uh not very flashy but very very effective so yeah well we have talked about all the new signings and now we have to go to the tactical part and talk how and talk about how all these players are going to fit in because like you mentioned earlier in the podcast oscar has been trying out a lot of different things in the game against Bayern. he played the back three against florentina it was a back it was a four four two so he has been carrying out a lot of things and like he said in his press conference, again after the buying game, each game we have seen progress in one way or the other, and what they have been planning to achieve in that game, they kind of achieve it because it's like he goes into a game with a particular tactic or maybe trying to get at something out of the game, and he kind of achieve it because I think that of against buying and Florentina with the games which are little face the most pressure and having the ball to fit and kind of playing passes was kind of great. So, yeah, what are the what, how do we expect Oscar to maybe approach this season, given all the new signings? Because it will be tough, given he has tried so many things in preseason. But can you just help us, give us an idea on how maybe the approach is going to use, maybe the formation and the rest? Yeah, so talking about how this all fits into the bigger picture, I think... Uh, like not all preseason games were available to watch so we don't know what uh, actually is happening but uh, the Bayern game Atleti set up in a sort of 3-5 or like 3-4-1-2 3-5-2 or 3-4-1-2 whatever you want to call it with uh, Banini playing in behind Ajibade and Ludmila and Maitani and Irene forming that sort of double pivot uh, but I don't think that is going to uh, like continue because it wouldn't be it wouldn't uh, fit with the idea that you have wingers like Mata Cardona and Eva Navarro and players like Sheila Garcia who can also play in the wing. You have Barbara Latore as well. So you you would expect uh, some sort of a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 is what I think would fit Atleti the best uh, because it uh, allows you uh, a number 9 option, it allows you a number 10 option and it allows you to have two wingers and all of that built upon a solid base of Maitane and Irene and now you have uh, Virginia slowly getting back into the fold as well so that's really nice to see uh, so that is that is what uh, I think will happen it will probably be a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1 most likely and that is how I think it should be as well because uh, uh, given the profiles that Atleti have uh, on their disposal, it wouldn't be fair to uh, turn those sort of wingers into wingbacks. That would be suboptimal, I would say. So, yeah, uh, giving them that sort of uh, advanced role is, is better, not just for Atleti, but for the players themselves to be able to express themselves. So, yeah, uh, a 4 2 3 one or a 4 4 2 is how I expect things to uh, be on the pitch. In terms of like talking about some some preseason stuff, what they did against uh, Bayern was pretty interesting. Like uh, I mentioned, they played with a back three, 
uh, which um, I don't know how much uh, we are going to see of that because uh, while they have the uh, depth at center back position to be able to play a back three, the experience is still lacking and that uh, is something like losing points uh, early wouldn't be ideal. So I think they'll revert back to a back four and play the normal game. So yeah, against against Bayern, what they did was they tried to match Bayern's uh, formation. Bayern also Bayern are going to be a back three team next season, uh, with the manager like always preferring to play with a back three. So they tried to mirror their uh, their formation and they did it uh, brilliantly. Like uh, I even posted some screen caps from that game. Like having players like Banini and Maitane in your team, like that really helps because these are the players that can solve your in-game situations uh, very well. So Banini was constantly causing problems with the way she was, uh, with the way she positioned herself. Uh, she was uh, dropping deep to receive, and that uh, like allowed Atleti to uh, disrupt Bayern's pressing. Like they were very going very man-to-man heavy in the initial stages and. Just having a presence uh, of Banini there caused them to like uh, disrupt their structure with players not knowing who should be picking up Banini, and that freed up that in turn freed up space for somebody else. Like that was really well. Banini was not just dropping centrally; she was also dropping wide, so that allowed the fullback to push up and then pin the uh, the corresponding wing back. That allowed space on the transition provided depth for like if Banini received on the wide area she can then carry the ball forwards or turn inside and then uh, play the ball through into the channels for for runners in behind so that was really cool to see against uh, against Bayern and uh, the thing that uh, I really liked was also the front two of Ajibade and Ludmila I think that worked really really well so if if Atleti do play a 4-4-2 I think that's a really solid option to have as well if Staskova is unavailable or like you want to rotate her or you want to rest her or you want to just have a different sort of dynamic in your attack. Uh, that forward line worked really well for me because not only were they able to pin the defences back uh, with their positioning and offer that sort of depth whenever the ball is recovered in midfield so that the midfielders or the wingbacks have the space to run into, uh, but they were also really really good at uh, like making the runs into the channels like the way Ajibade and Ludmila played off each other that was really nice to see uh, they were very clever in uh, playing off of each other whenever the other player was dropping deep the second forward would uh, shift to that side and then make a proper run into the channel between the wing back and the and the center back so that was really really uh, threatening and that is how uh, Athletic's first goal uh, came about uh, Ajibade received the ball in, in the wide areas cut in and then uh, with Ludmila making the run into the channel, she played her through. So that is uh, that is something that dynamic really worked well for Atleti. And I think that is going to continue. Like Ludmila has been like Atleti's savior for a while now. Like uh, Ludmila is an attack in herself. She can just power through defenses and score a goal. So yeah, I mean... I expect that to continue and I expect that forward uh, uh, that forward dynamic to develop more in the season and that is going to be really, really good for Atleti. Well, about Mila, I think Oscar, Oscar used her last season as like a, I would say super so where she comes on against their legs and especially I think the big games. It was the case against 
I think Real Madrid and I think you had only sport was like crying that <laughs> Alicia ahead and they have <laughs> Real Madrid have to push on to look for a, an equalizer, but now you have Lumila coming on and they are dead, and that was kind of amazing to see a rival fan giving praise for a good player. So talk about the partnership of Lumila and, and Rashid, which has been great because I think Rashid has assisted three of Lumila's goals and Lumila has scored six goals in preseason and Rashid four. And you talk of the game, you talk about the game against Bayern where one drops and the other making a run, a running behind, and that was evident in the first goal where you had Rashid dropping deep and like creating the chance for Ludmila, who is kind of really pacey, and that was really great to see because Aleti is like this season we have maybe principles and you will not have a lot of players playing out of position, like maybe Maitan losing Maitan in midfield and her playing as a centre back or maybe Sheila as a right back. So those things. Are kind of great, and I really, really love the recruitment. And in my opinion, no team has had a better window than a little this summer. When I say no team, anything concerning a team, be it any sport, yeah, no, I'm optimistic that that's that's more like it. So, and that is a statement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really, really optimistic, and I'm I'm sure Oscar in the second season he can he can do things. I'm going to the season more very optimistic. I'm clinging to the optimism because. Things are not so good for the male team because there are a lot of issues. Cholo is kind of in, you have maybe version 3.0 now and things are not going well for him. And also the fans are kind of looking for someone to blame and that was evident in the home loss. So taking to the female team and I, I'm sure they can give me lots of happiness this season and consistency, which will be great for our Champion League push. So... Alicia have made so many good signings, and I'm um, just from saying they had the best transfer window for, of anything on planet Earth. So, Yash, what will be the what are the expectations for this season? Because I'm sure one of the expectations is obviously qualifying for the Champions League. So, what do you think will be the expectations for this season in the two tournaments Alicia will be playing as the Liga Professional and also the Copa de la Arena? Yeah, so before I get to expectations, there was one thing that I wanted to uh, point out from the Bayern game that I found really interesting was how Atleti were setting up uh, against the ball. Uh, like Atleti is a team that is blessed with pace, like the forward line of Ajibade and Ludmila, they are really quick. They can get into transitions really quick. Then having Moraza uh, as well on uh, in the wing-back role allowed for a lot of uh, like threat on the transition. So... They at times I even noticed like they were dropping into a low block of five two three. They weren't bothered by uh, pressing the center backs and just protecting the central lanes and forcing uh, Bayern to go wide. And then they were like crowding them out. And uh, one thing about uh, Maitane and Irene is they'll they'll win you the balls in midfield. Like that is the thing. They are very good ball winners as well. So Atleti were able to cause turnovers in midfield. And then as soon as they cause turnovers, the uh, two forwards were able to like then pin the centre-backs back. So there was a gap between the centre-backs and the midfield line. So that gave gave space for uh, whoever recovered the ball to uh, to like uh, carry the ball forward into and then play the ball through. So that was really nice to see. I, I think we'll see this sort of springboard structure in uh, Atleti's normal season as well where they like set up in a way that allows them to hit the teams on transition and having like Staskova also helps in that because she can then uh, offer that depth by pinning the centre-backs and uh, being that outlet as well. So that's something to be kept an eye on. Uh, about the expectations, obviously 
it would be to return to Champions League again. Uh, not being able to do that uh, would be a very big disappointment. Uh, so yeah, that that would be the basic thing in Cope. And winning the league is always gonna be difficult with addressing the elephant in the room like Barcelona. It's it's very difficult to be able to topple them right now. But uh, the games between Atleti and Barcelona are always like fascinating. Uh, they always Atleti always try to push Barcelona to the absolute limit, and yeah, maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll see a turnover. Who knows? Like, uh, but at the moment, it seems quite unlikely on paper, at least. But on a given match day, anything can happen. But that is not where the league positioning are decided. It's not the game against Barcelona that decides where you finish on the table, but it's the other games. And Atleti would want to be consistent this season, not just in patches, but overall as well. And that is what should be the aim, to be consistently getting those three points, to be consistently generating those chances. And I think they have the tools to do that. So the absolute goal has to be making the champions league and going as deep as possible in the copa de la arena because uh, in a one off final it is very possible to uh, get the better of barcelona and given when the the final usually happens barcelona are already like uh, way too many games into their season so it's it's a matter of fatigue as well for them so it would be a good opportunity if they can make a deep run into the final and try to win that competition well, a little beating Barca is nothing new to me. I've kind of enjoyed our success in the previous years over them, though in recent years it has been tough to watch. The scoreline has been really, really bad, but I kind of enjoyed it. And I think season before last, we kind of beat them. We were like the only team which was fantastic. And last season, we almost did it, not for, well, I will not mention, but so far it is good. So how far, uh, I would say, because to be honest, I think at the moment, Aleti are kind of maybe on the same level as Real Madrid and though they finish behind Real Sociedad and Real Madrid. But I think you know, so how far maybe are a little behind Barca or maybe what do they need to do? Yeah, I think you already answered that question with them being consistent, but what do they need to do to maybe keep making the gap closer to Barcelona? Because in Spain at the moment they are the team to cash and it's like they won't stop but well we know football the ball is round at the moment they are on top and we know one day is gonna roll and they are going to shift from the top spot. So what do they need to do to keep on closing the gap to their biggest rivals, which is Barcelona? The thing that any team can do to close the gap is to have a sort of project, a sort of vision wherein you consistently recruit according to a a plan, according to an idea and build a sort of uh, a play style that suits you. It's going to take a while. The only reason I say that is because the players that Barcelona have currently in their ranks, they aren't like old or anything. Like they are players who are like 25, 26, 27, 28. Uh, midfielders are like even younger, uh, Patri and Aitana. And then there's uh, a great source of young players as well coming through the ranks. They have signed Vicky Lopez. They have Claudia Pina in their ranks. They have Yana Fernandez. They have Bruna. They have so many young players as well. So. It's, it's a thing that uh, this domination from Barcelona may not, uh, like, it's not uh, nearing its twilight. Uh, it's There is still a lot of uh, great talent coming through and there's still a lot of years ahead of them. So a team that aims to topple them has to get uh, their recruitment right, has to get 
has to build a project rather than like going in for season to season like obviously season to season success matters in football because you can't be like we'll going we are going to win five five seasons from now uh, you have to be able to show some results uh, now rather than like in the future uh, but yeah a team has to like consistently build consistently recruit according to a plan and not just haphazardly getting names but uh, getting names that fit in their strategy have a plan and just it, it's all about like recruiting players and having uh, a sort of set style of play that you want to play against so that is the thing like it takes time it is going to take time obviously but yeah i mean it's it's doable if you get the recruitment right because there in women's football the turnovers are so high year by year that uh, sometimes very very good players are available uh, for free even like their contract is run down and they they are available so it's the market is full of opportunity if if the team is looking in the right directions there are untapped market in scandinavia where you can find gems of players of all sorts of profiles that you need so yeah i mean recruiting and scouting in the right areas bringing in good players that offer value to your squad is is the step in the right direction i would say well at the moment it seems aliti have a plan with the record the recruitment over the last two years which is buying some of the best players or some of the young prospects from some of the teams in liga professional and last season i think that was successful and i'm hoping this season will be the same and like you said in scandinavia there are a lot of players and i kind of and i read your article about that and it was quite it was quite fantastic hopefully i at least scout read the articles and there are a lot of good players there i hope they can bring to reality and this i think with this recruitment this summer the age is quite is very very young and i think they are the b team as a new new coach and i think that shows a plan because it's like from a press conference she's kind of talking of her goal is to work to, to train the players that will be ready for the first thing that, that shows a lot of aspiration because in, in previous years you have had young players who have gone out on loan and it hasn't worked out but hopefully in the future we see more of them so we are at the end of the show and it's really really been great speaking to you about women's football to be honest we can talk for now from now maybe to the end of the day and i don't think We'll be able to cover almost everything because there's a lot to talk about. So Yash, what do you think? What do you think? Ali, will finish. What position do you think Ali will finish in the league this season? Well, I hope it's third. I hope second place is secured by Real Madrid, so we don't have to go through two rounds of qualification for the Champions League again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. <laughs> But it will be interesting to see. Like I obviously want Real Madrid to do well. <laughs> Going through two multiple rounds of Champions League qualification is not really ideal. I want us to like play the minimum number of games to get into the Champions League. So yeah. Well, I will, though I'm not a fan of Real Madrid, and, and to be honest, I don't like them, and you know, everybody knows why. Their performances in the Champions League in the recent season have been great, and that's great showing for. Liga professional and it shows the progress they are making, which has been fantastic. And if not for, I think Barca last season, maybe they would have gone further than they did. And it was quite great to see them reach that level. And Barca gave them a beating of their life, <laughs> which probably they do to almost everyone they play against. So it was quite good yeah, for did, them. And 
we did hold our own for like a <laughs> like a brief period in the second leg. Like, like there there was like in the first leg we just lost in the dying moments. Like our first leg performance was really good, and in the second leg as well, I think like for a brief period, just yeah, just the yeah, fact that just, yeah. just the fact that the fan base was believing that we could possibly do that that says a lot about the performance that we put in there. Yeah, that says a lot about Barca than Real Madrid actually. Sorry, Yash, I can't praise them on this podcast. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> well, hopefully, Aliti have a brilliant season and we are maybe finish second and maybe qualify for the finals of the Copa de la Arena and then we should uh, should house our way to another title, which will be fantastic. Hopefully, against Barca and. And I just said something important. Our main rivals are in the league of Barca, not Real Madrid. Please don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, thank you. It's always great having you on the show. And hopefully, we have more episodes than we did last. Last we had just one. Hopefully, we have this and many more episodes with you, obviously, or maybe with other people. But you are, like I said, the face of one of the faces of women football FT, which is kind of great. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here as well. It's been a pleasure to discuss all things Atleti and to talk to you. So, yeah, really nice to be back. So, listeners, remember, Nunca Dea the Cray never stop believing and if the military are not giving you a lot of joy, why not watch the film rating? I think with the broadcasting video coming, you may have a chance to watch them and you find that they are really interesting and also the women's game has made a lot of progress as more than anything. So, guys, see you next time.